And now a reading from the book of Acts. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him into the Areopagus and asked him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for Him and find Him, though indeed He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we too are His offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that that deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Talk is cheap. So, asked Walter, what if your whole body was a mouth? 
What does it mean to be human? Fully human. Wholly human. When we hear and don't do, we are less than human. Because God created us to be human. When we sin, when we fail to live up to what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be, we are less. So don't say, I'm only human when you mess up. No, you're, I'm only less than human. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, an authentic person of faith, is to be fully and totally human. And this faith is more than words. It makes a difference in our choices, in our lives, and it also makes a difference in the life of the world. Authentic faith is more than religious discussion, regardless of how stimulating that may be. Because talk is cheap. If you haven't noticed, we're pretty good talkers around here. Most of you don't have a loss for words. Fairly verbal group. Some of you make your living mainly by talking. Bending ears, bending, show, you know, bending arms, making things happen. Being a good talker is, is a good thing, I think. It's important to be able to talk about our faith, to speak our faith. We've done that a couple Saturday nights, hearing our brothers and sisters in Christ talk about their faith. But as we saw in the Acts text, Paul's in Athens, and he's with a group whose whole focus is on speculation, talking, arguing, debating about their religion. Paul's deeply troubled. He sees a city full of idols. He's unimpressed. The faith, if there is any of it among these Athenians, doesn't make a decisive difference in their lives. It's all talk and no action. It's sit around, talk, argue, and not much else. They have a God at every corner. In case they miss one, they have one to the, to the unknown God. Very verbal, very religious. But the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Ruth, Hannah, Jesus Christ is not some mere verbal exercise. It's a relationship that demands a radical and complete commitment. For the most of my life, since I've been an adult, I've been in churches where you didn't have to check your brain at the door. And that's good. That's good. But if our faith doesn't go beyond what we can comprehend, assimilate, and control, guess what? It's not really faith. Because if I can know it all, assimilate it all, and control it all, it's only half a faith at best. You know, as long as I can keep the demands of authentic faith at arm's length by talking about it, I can avoid the nonsense of the cross. Just using our heads, our brains, our mouths, not enough. 
It's more you see authentic faith is more than thinking the right things, believing the right things, and feeling the right things in our heart. There is nothing more dangerous in the world that someone, than someone who knows they're absolutely right. Millions have died because religious zealots knew that they were right and that God was on their side. And it happens even today. Fact is, we can believe the right thing and do the wrong thing. Our faith can be a subtle drug to make us feel cozy and warm, and it can serve as a narcotic against the pain in our world. The pain that we ought to feel at the sight and sound of human suffering. When our faith insulates us from the pain of the world, when it insulates us from others' needs, it becomes an enemy of the kingdom of God. No, it's not wrong to find joy in our faith. It's good. It's good to be glad about our faith. But if that's all our faith gives us and demands of us, it's not really authentic faith. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, in Luke's gospel? And don't do the things that I say. Authentic faith is not some board game that ends up looking a lot like trivial pursuits. If not, then then what is authentic faith that makes a difference? You heard Keith read Luke's gospel this morning. Why do you call me Lord? Don't do the things that I say. Two builders illustrates the story. One digs deeply, builds his house on the foundation of solid rock, and when the floods come, inevitably come, the house is not shaken. The other one's just the opposite. Hears but doesn't act. Builds his house without a foundation, and when the floods inevitably come, immediately it falls. And you know, there's no word of judgment here. Just acknowledgement of the reality that life and time will uncover the foundations of our lives. You see, everybody has storms. Everybody experiences storms. No exclusions. Both the builders were active. They were working. They believed they ought to be doing something But one not only acted, one acted rightly. Talk is cheap. Doing, it's important to do the right thing, too. In the end, authentic faith doesn't remove us from life and life storms. Rather, it's a relationship that sees us through life storms. It causes us to dig deep and build on a proper foundation. I read of a very successful attorney in Houston. This attorney said, The greatest gift that my dad ever gave me was a small box one Christmas. I opened it. I was was surprised to get anything because we were so poor. I opened it, and inside was a note from my dad. And it said, Son, this year I give you 365 hours, an hour every single day after dinner, and it's yours. We'll do what you want. We'll talk about what you want. We'll go where you want. We'll play what you want to play. It'll be your hour. This is my gift to you this year. 
My dad not only kept that promise, but but that time together, that time together became so successful, so special to me that he renewed that gift every year as long as I lived at home. It was the gift of himself, and it's the greatest gift I ever received. That's how authentic faith makes a difference. It's not mere, merely sitting around and talking or even believing or even feeling that family is important. It's not just doing things with your family. It's the giving of yourself in relationship to and with your family. It is the gift. It is giving the gift of all you have and are. That's what makes a real difference. And that's the best and greatest thing we can offer the Lord and each other is the gift of ourselves. Yes, it involves right thinking, right feeling, and right doing, and it makes a difference in our world. Plus, it pulls us into the world rather than shelters us from the world. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of God. And what does the Lord require? The Lord requires that we do justice We love kindness and walk humbly with God. Zero out of three is not good at all. One out of three is a little better. Two out of three is even better. And three out of three is where we ought to be. Talk is cheap. So, how do you figure out where it is that you ought to be doing Well, I have news. As Walter said, there are varieties of gifts. But the same spirit, there are varieties of service. Now, this wasn't Walter. This was was Paul speaking, okay? Walter kind of quoted it. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Not just for yourself. You see, McLean Baptist doesn't doesn't function on mere talk. We rely on the gifts of all members to minister to our church, our community, and our world. You, you are a minister in the church of Jesus Christ. You, yes you. So, how do you discover that? How do you figure out? Well, the deacons, CLC, the nominating committee, very practically invite you to come to a workshop where together we will identify our gifts, help each other identify our gifts as we seek to find places of service in the kingdom of God. In areas of ministry that align with your passions, your giftedness in a meaningful way as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, the gifts-based ministry workshop will be 9 to noon, Saturday, June the 3rd. Well, I've got children. Well, we're going to have childcare. 
Well, I'm not invited. Well, if you're a rising youth through 110, you're invited. Expect it. I might get hungry. Well, we're going to have refreshments. Talk is cheap. Are you going to work with your brothers and sisters in Christ to discover and invest your gifts in the kingdom of God through the ministries of this church? Are you? Then show up Saturday, June the 3rd, 9 to noon. Remember, talk is cheap. Pray with me. Gracious God, forgive us. Forgive us when we use our mouths more than we use our hands and our feet when we try to serve you. Help us to use all that you have given us from head to toe to further your kingdom. Through Christ our Lord, amen.